Look alive, Olia. I'm Retronomic, looking for new games that bring retro back from the dead. And this is Retrograde, where we look at lists, countdowns, and count-ups, and we are continuing some more of the Halloween month, and it's getting closer to the end of the month. I probably should have churned these out a little quicker, because now it's getting to sort of crunch time, and today we're going to be looking at the top five adventure horror so point and click sort of ideas sometimes it's not point and click but most of it yes it's point and click stuff and uh yeah it works really great um not all of them are very good and in fact this top five are going to be the ones that are actually good pretty good games while the rest not so much uh yeah there's uh quite a few dishonorable mentions i'll say that um so yeah here we go being Dark Seed series. Uh, there's two in the series. There are two on the, I believe, Sega Saturn, but also on the PS1, but all that is Japanese. And so you'd actually have to play it like uh, on PC. But they are free on PC, and I still think it counts since they do have a port of uh, on the PlayStation 1. It's just you can't understand them unless you know Japanese. So, yeah, I, I'm still counting it. And uh, the truth is... I don't know why so many people have this on their lists. I don't get it. It uh, has some impressive visuals. I love the way the whole game looks, both games. They look amazing, especially with the Dark World stuff. Um, the first game has a sort of a pixelated real people type of thing, you know, uh, digitized people. Um, while the second game looks a lot better, I would say in that respect, it's like a digitized people but it looks more like something from harvester or something like that while the original looks more much more pixelated um but the first game is uh very arbitrary i mean you have three simple controls you know uh movement like examine things pick things up or use you know and all that sort of thing but the only thing is it's a uh, very like 90s nonsensical type of puzzles that make no sense and uh, you know you get random items at certain points and you have to do stuff at certain points because there's a and there's a real-time mechanic of, of time flying by you know minutes or seconds but that's what I mean it, it you have to do certain stuff at certain times and it doesn't indicate exactly when you're supposed to do those things so you're basically just fiddling around with everything until this right time that it finally lets you use something or do something or talk to somebody and it's there's full-on like you cannot progress at all because certain things didn't happen and it locks you out and you can't do those things in order to unlock it you know so yeah it's it soft locks the game it's no point to anything there's a lot of pixel hunting as well um it's kind of hard to discern with these graphics certain stuff i mean it looks amazing but in the dark world as amazing as it looks certain stuff doesn't even look like it's like a doorway say or an item you know because it's just very all you know very surreal so it looks surreal and even the stuff that you're supposed to go through or pick up or talk to even some characters even uh are very hard to go okay is this the you know the background or is this something in the game so it's not very intuitive with you know the way things look um the story itself you know a lot of people talk about that what story what story are you talking about? What, that uh, you're impregnated basically in your brain with some kind of embryo? That it's aliens trying to take resources from the dark world and then uh, they're trying to travel our world to do the same. 
okay, I get that, but that's like the first five minutes. <laughs> it's, it's like some small bit of story and that's it. The rest of the game is interacting with people that have no personality, not to mention your own character really has no personality, not to mention he looks like a dip. Uh, he's got a sports coat on with a t-shirt and jeans. That That's a strange combo, even for the 90s. I mean, 90s standards clothing weren't, weren't the best, but I mean, like, even that seems sort of strange in that realm. Um, but also there's a mullet and a, a bushy mustache on this guy. It looks like it's fake. You know, it, it doesn't work. And in both games, actually, they the character still looks the same in the second game. Um, it's uh, done by a different actor, I know that, but uh, yeah, it definitely does not look right. The main character looks pretty dumb. And seeing him in these different worlds where there's the real world, I guess, and the dark world just feels very out of place. So that doesn't quite work either. Otherwise, it looks amazing. I mean, the visuals of the world, the real world and the dark world are amazing looking. But that's the only reason why I'd say it looks good. I wouldn't even call it really a horror game. I'd say it's a point and click adventure game, 90s point and click adventure game, uh, but with horror elements, I guess because of the dark world looks really twisted and stuff, but it never really has any scares or anything like that. It's not exactly a scary game or scary story. It's just sort of a twisted look for the sake of being twisted looking. And that's not bad. I don't, you know, I'm not knocking that. I just don't understand the rest of what everybody talks about being so great about this game because the puzzles are just a big pain in the butt. Um, in the second game, it's a little better. I'd say the second game actually isn't bad. It's a good case of nonsensical freaking 90s puzzles, but it's still still out there. Like, you have to get these uh, teddy bears to fuel a machine in the dark world. Why? What is that? What's the point of that? You have, like, uh, this guy that you have to get a key from, that a dead body, that you can't... It says you can't get. It literally says that. So then... After, you know, you've done all this stuff and get to a, this terrible maze, there's a few terrible mazes, three in this game, that are all freaking horrible. The mazes, I don't even fully understand how to play them. But even so, you have to go through this maze and then figure out that there's a secret door you have to use and then you have to get this key. Now you can grab that key from this dead body that didn't let you do anything with it before. So you wouldn't think, oh, I should go back to that same spot, check out that same dead body, and maybe something will be different. No, it never makes any indication of that. There's no indication of anything in this game. It's not like, you know, the difference between hand-holding and not hand-holding. Yeah, I appreciate not holding your hand in a game. Um, sometimes it's a little too much. But this is more just nonsense. And, you know, it's not that I can't figure it out because I'm having to figure it out for myself. It's more that I can't figure it out because there's no ideas of how I'm supposed to or what I'm supposed to do. It's very aimless in that way. It's also most of the second game, it's like nothing's going on. You don't even get to the dark world to like halfway through as well as, you know, there's, it's more comedic. In fact, I'd say the second game is much more of a comedic game while the first game seems comedic in the unintentional way. You know, it's not even really that it's supposed to be comedic or it's so bad it's good comedic. It's just, it's laughably dumb. Now, there is some voice acting and the second game does it pretty well actually. While the first game is not very good, um, the music of the first game is crap. 
while the second game is a little more ambient but still kind of it's still a lot louder than the voices so sometimes you can't hear them uh, i mean i understand why people like the look of the games as well as the second game i can see why people actually like that game it's very nonsensical but it's in both its puzzles and its story um but it's you know comedic it's fun um it's not really scary but it has some beautiful visuals for both games and it's a lot more refined in the second game. But the first game, I don't get. Why do people like this game so much? It's at number five because it is the least of them. As well as I sort of feel like I have to put it here because people, like, say it's supposed to be in a list like this. So, and yeah, I'll admit, uh, I, it does kind of round out my list since there's not a whole lot of horror point-and-clicks. You'd think there would be with PC having a ton of horror point-and-click games. Uh, this one's... Not so much. The PlayStation doesn't have a lot. Um, so, yeah. So, there you go. I guess that'll do it for this. I mean, it's... The second game is actually pretty decent. I'd say check that one out. It is free on, like, GOG or things like that. You know, um, you know, Abandonware sites. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I wouldn't say even touch the first one. You want to watch a Let's Play of it? Sure. But it's not very good. It's not intuitive at all. It's nonsensical puzzles with both games, really. But... At least for the second game, it's a little more manageable, um, except those freaking mazes, which suck. They are terrible mazes. And it sort of has a nonsensical ending as well, but, you know, it, it's at least the journey sort of thing, you know? Um, but yeah, other than that, there's no point to check these out. I mean, if you're a fan of point-and-click horror, then sure, check out the second game. The first game's just terrible. I wouldn't even suggest it, and you guys can hate me for it. I don't care. It is that bad. I don't see the point of this game. So yeah, moving on to number four. At number four is Iru. <laughs> uh, otherwise known as It's Here. Um, by that, it is a um, Japanese title. It's hard to, you know, suggest one of these, but the only thing is there is an English translation for this. So actually, you can play it. Uh, as for the game itself, it's very polygonal and all that. It's not the best on graphics, even for the PlayStation 1. Because, um, yeah, I try not to differentiate, you know, for today's standards and those standards, you know. It's like back then. No, I'm when I say it's not that good of graphics, I'm talking about back then. So, yeah, basically it's one of those. You know, it's not very good. Um, but, hey, it does a decent job at least, and it looks pretty good. You know, you're in a first-person uh, perspective and you're going around a school and you're basically trying to figure out this little mystery and talking to people and using items at certain times um, and it's really well done actually it's kind of like white day almost um, almost not enough trust me it's I think it's there's like four endings or something like that not a whole bunch of different dead ends um, there are some dead endings though I do like that about it but it's not like it's very obvious the story is that you're uh, just some young man who uh, gets, who's studying too late at night at school, you know, like we all do, you know, gets nighttime, the doors are locked and all that stuff, and you happen to still be at school studying with your friends. Um, <laughs> it's like, what? No, uh, but yeah, that's basically the premise. Then suddenly some ritual starts happening with the students and the teachers that are still there at the school. Um, it's kind of Lovecraftian and all that, and it's more of a goofy type of game. It's not scary, um, but it does like have the horror element to it as well it's pretty fun it's actually a just a fun type of game it's not really all that 
amazing in its uh, gameplay style. It kind of works like with Clock Tower, how you're having to hide. The only thing is, it's very telegraphed. You know, there's like an enemy inside of a cutscene that comes for you, and you run into a room all in the cutscene, and then you have a certain amount of time to find a hiding place. That's about it, you know? And maybe the hiding place will be a place he checks, maybe it won't. You know, so that's about it for that. And then other than that, it's uh, just a lot of backtracking. It feels like they sort of padded the game just for that reason. You had to, you know, like, get an item and then, you know, say you're farther in the game. You still have to go all the way back to the beginning areas to use some item there to get a different item that you now have to go back to the area that you were at. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know frustrating in that respect but it's not too bad and since there's so much just not going on really not that hard to get back there and back it's just a lot of walking for no reason you know i'd say it's if it wasn't a point and click it's more of a walking sim you know uh but yeah it's got a lot of uh, character development and things like that um you have different characters to talk to and luckily there is a an english translation so i would say check this one out it's worth looking at it's not bad it was kind of fun it's not a very long game but yeah it's still interesting and goofy i'll say number three is Silverload. uh this is actually a pretty great game i loved this game it was for the playstation it doesn't need a uh english translation um it's the only one so far but it's actually really cool it's a very western styled game as this Native American guy who happens upon this group of people outside of town who've been attacked and have, you know, are trying to survive out there because they can't go back into Silverload where there's monsters and creatures and stuff. And you're doing a lot of the point and click style stuff, you know, examine, open, use items, you know, things like that. So it's very cool and it's very uh, narrative and the characters' designs and things like that look really well done. So once you go into town, you actually start uh, finding out that there's uh, some kind of mystery going on. The sheriff seems like he's got some kind of conspiracy happening with him. And it turns out that he's a vampire and there's other vampires and there's werewolves outside of the place. You know, and uh, it, it's a really fun type of story. I'm telling you, it's not amazing, but, you know, there's this occult going on as well. Um, and you're basically just trying to unravel this mystery. I feel like this was the best of the least known PS1 adventure horror, you know? And it's actually a really fun game. You have Death Ends, you know. Um, it is in the vein of 90s sort of nonsensical puzzles sometimes. And you do have to sort of work at a t on a time limit at times, not through the whole game. Just at times you are on sort of a... Like, if you don't do stuff quickly, you're going to get killed by, like, a werewolf, you know? Because being out and about, apparently there's werewolves about, too. So you got to kind of hurry. That's a vampire story, really. In-game sort of on-rails segments where you shoot stuff. You can move the, per move the cursor well enough. It's pretty slow, but uh, as long as you, like, save state before then, um, you'll be able to figure out where they're going to show up, you know? So the first time you might run through getting killed... Then the second time, you'll be like, okay, I know this person's going to show there. I just got to move the cursor there really quick, and then I can start shooting. So, yeah, and you do have a limited ammo as well, so you got to sort of uh, think about how you're going to shoot. You want to make sure you shoot them right. Um, but, yeah, there's like two, three instances at the most. Um, in fact, yeah, one of them's optional. That's why. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, it's mostly just going around, 
figuring stuff out. I mean, there's like an optional gun you can get, although it doesn't really make a difference a whole lot, really. Uh, so um, you could use the regular gun, but you know, it just means it's like a, a shot or two more. That's about it. If you actually are able to get that extra gun, it's not that great. Um, there is a random sort of uh, lottery type thing in the game that I would just try to steer clear of unless you have to for story reasons. Uh, you have a point where you actually have a card game with somebody that you can actually miss to get extra money that you might want, not necessarily need. Um, but yeah, the visuals are really great with this. I'm glad they did a really nuanced version of this sort of thing because, you know, visuals are always important inside of an adventure game, but, you know, point and click style. Um, but this has something that makes it a little different. They're kind of goofy looking at times, especially when they turn into a monster, you know? And it's great, actually. I love it for that reason. And the voice acting, when they do have voice acting, is questionable. Sometimes it sounds good, sometimes it's just hilarious. There are characters that are digitized people, actors, you know, and uh, it's really funny to see. <laughs> but they do a good job with it, and it's... It's one of those games where you're either going to love it because it's hilarious or you're going to love it because it looks good. Um, so yeah, you're going to like it either way. And it did a good job of uh, playing the game. I would say you would want a walkthrough handy to be able to you know, figure out some of the puzzles because they are somewhat nonsensical and there is some pixel hunting and you're moving around with you know, the controller. So it's kind of slow moving on the cursor as well. So. You know, you just want to think about those things. You do have to get your bearings sometimes because there's, you know, no map, but you're having to move around different places. Some of the entrances are hidden. You have also different options to do different things, such as you can go to a, uh, a hotel or you can stay in a barn. In both instances, you actually have to think about what you're going to do in order to survive or get through it, you know? So, yeah, that's something interesting, and you might even have some replayability for that reason, actually because it actually does give you some other things, other choices and paths you can take. Uh, you will get lost though, because sometimes you're trying to go through different uh, areas and you know you might accidentally click one area that makes it so you have to backtrack or you actually will have something where you know you, you go in a circle almost sometimes or you know different paths look the same as other paths so you're getting confused a bit and there's no real map for it so you're gonna be getting lost a little bit you know not too much but definitely uh, I got lost quite a few times in fact but it wasn't so bad that I was like okay now where the heck am I going no I'd get lost and then I'd find my way really quick after that it's got a lot of charm and it's a really fun western styled horror game not a lot of people know about it and those that do may not praise it as much as I am but I thought it was a just a great game to play I'd say, really suggest this one as someone to check out now on to number two the D series no this is not a porn game in case anybody's thinking about the D no it's called D and I guess it stands for Dracula in the first game at least has nothing to do with anything else for the next two games, but those are actually on different consoles anyways. Enemy Zero for the uh, Sega Saturn, which is a sequel to D, and then D2, which again has no reason to be called D anymore, um, for the Dreamcast. And they're all very different games from the others. Uh, I'd say Enemy Zero is actually pretty interesting and is worth a look because it actually has like these first-person segments as well as some uh, elements of uh, point-and-click adventures type of stuff but all the enemies are literally invisible 
There's some video sequences that you have to do stuff during. And it's an interesting, actually, pretty... Uh, it's a pretty interesting game, just not a very good game. I would still say, you know, for those that don't mind a crap game that's still worth checking out, will like it. So, yeah. Uh, then D2 actually has nothing to do with either of the games as well. Uh, all three games are unrelated to each other. So what's the point of connecting them anyway? Um, but they all have the same character. And that one's much more of a, you know, RE type of clone, but has some strange mechanics to it. You know, I'm not knocking it, uh, but it is definitely not for everyone. Um, if you're looking for more of those sort of tank control type of games, then, you know, it's something to check out. But we're talking about the first game, just straight up D. You're the daughter of the person who's going on this rampage, killing people, uh, you know, killing spree inside of a hospital. You don't really do anything with the hospital. You go up to the hospital, you go inside, and suddenly you're inside of the mind of your grandpa or something like that. It's a very strange game. And, uh, yeah, it's all full... Sh uh, it's all FMV sequences with a computerized look. Um, the computer... The graphics, not very good. They're pretty terrible. But it's still worth playing, I'm telling you. That's why it's at number two, because it actually has some pretty decent gameplay to it. It's almost like a QTE video game because you'll be moving around um, and something will swipe at you. So you have to move left, then you have to move right. And it takes some trial and error, in fact. It's puzzles you have to figure out. They're kind of uh, interesting. They're clever puzzles. Sometimes you have like this guy who's got holding on to something and his arm is actually going through the wall into the other uh, the next room, but his hand is inside of a box. So now you have to figure out how to open the box and then mess with the uh, body on the other side to make it so he lets go of the item. So that was an interesting idea, an interesting take on the puzzles. Um, it can get a bit confusing, you get lost a little bit, but that's mostly in this elevator section where you have to go up and down and turn this um, wheel, as well as there is a time limit on the game. So that's kind of frustrating. Um, so I would use save states for this. I did use save states, something to, you know, multiple different saves, because you're going to want to go back, because you're going to run out of time the first two times, three times even, trying to play through this whole game, unless, of course, you decide to just use some save states. But that's what I mean. I, I, I actually played through most of the game and then ended up losing because of that time restraint and had to refer back to a save from the beginning. And that wasn't a big deal, because it's not that long, but still it is a little bit frustrating to have to go through all the same puzzles again. You have to do a lot of uh, slow movements. If you have an emulator that you have a toggle frame rate or fast forward button on, you can easily work through that, but it's also not a very long game, uh, so it's not a big deal with the slow movements. There are some little secrets here and there, like finding these bugs, as well as using your uh, time clock in a certain way. Um, but other than that, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, you, you just go around this castle, you see some horrific things sometimes, and uh, you have some dead endings. As shoddy as the graphics are, uh, they do a well enough job of conveying the horror and fear stuff, you know, as well as you have a little bit of jump scares here and there. The story is kind of nonsensical. Behind the scenes, actually, there was this uh, kind of a cool, cool thing that... Uh, Kenji Ino did. He's the creator of the game. It has some uh, gory stuff in it that actually wouldn't pass the censors. So what he did was he sent them this clean version and then offered to actually take the uh, CD to the manufacturers to, you know, make a whole bunch of different copies to sell 
uh, from there. So what he did was he sent them this clean version, drives to the manufacturer with a bad, like full-on unedited version, uncut version, and sends that in. So then he got away with putting all this blood and gore into the game, like cannibalism and all that stuff. It, it's hilarious that he did that. So cool. That That's pretty boss, if you ask me. There's not a whole lot of difference in the endings, but there's something about them that do make them different and are pretty interesting it when you play it you're going to be like really this is what i'm playing but as you play it you're going to be like oh that's okay i see it's it's pretty decent i actually enjoyed this so that's what i'm telling you it's a short game but it's a fun game it's actually shorter than Silverload, which isn't that long long of a game um so this one actually you could play a few times if you wanted to get the alternate endings on to number one is the Clock Tower series. Obviously. I mean, who didn't see this coming? If you didn't see it coming, then, you know, wise up, man. No, uh, <laughs> listeners, come on. No, uh, it's actually, you know, it's a great series. If you don't know about this, you should definitely check it out. If, you know, there is a, a remake of the first game that, called First Fear. I'm not sure there's a, if it's in English. I actually played the first game on Super Nintendo. Um, that had a fan translation. So I'm just going to talk about the first game anyways. That is Super Nintendo graphics, but it's done so well with the character looks. The story is you're a young girl who ends up being adopted with all these other friends of yours from this orphanage to uh, go to this house out in the middle of the woods. Of course, that's a great idea. And uh, after being dropped off, you meet the woman who's adopted you, and she's saying that uh, father will be home soon and all this stuff and sort of leaves you to your own devices and some of them uh, some of the other girls decide to wander off and then you're sitting there for quite a while wondering what the heck's happening so you start to investigate yourself you know you hear some different noises and things like that it's very much a point and click game where you run around this place and you know you're trying to you know figure out puzzles through point and clicking getting items backtracking pixel hunting a little bit for a S and for a Super Nintendo game, it has some great mechanics. Why am I talking about a Super Nintendo game? Because it's also ported to the PlayStation called The First Fear, I believe. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, I think it counts. I'm allowed to talk about it. Uh, it's great. Uh, it has those great mechanics, and it works well enough. It's a slow-moving cursor, as well as she is pretty slow. You have to click to make her move, and she walks kind of slow. She runs kind of slow. Uh, it can be frustrating, but other than that, it still works well enough, and there's some multiple endings that are actually multiple endings. You know, it's not like, some of them are just little bits of differences, but other ones are actually drastically different, and there's even endings to make it so you have, you know, there's even some, a couple of dead endings, but also like, full on, screw everybody, I'm just gonna get the heck out of here ending. And that's one of the best endings in it. Uh, so yeah, it's a great game. It feels like playing something of a uh, Dario Argento, um, you know, sort of horror movie. And, you know, the Italian horror movies is what I'm getting at. And this sort of fear, fear meter that you have of the main protagonist, the girl that you're playing, um, there's really great animation with that. Like, there's one point where you, spoiler warning, find out that this woman, I mean, it's not exactly a spoiler because it's pretty obvious from the get-go that she's not gonna be a good guy um but yeah the adoptive mother she sort of has this point where she she goes from sweet and nice to absolutely evil you know 
they do a great transition of that to make her look absolutely evil when her face just transitions to it and it's great i love the look of that um and it's amazing how it looks it's just pretty creepy you know there's like this tone of light with the pixels in her picture um but other than that the uh game screen has a great look for the entire environment um the characters aren't as uh, aren't as detailed but they have those dialogue boxes that give that detail so you have some idea of what they're looking like and i think it's a really good and uh, good way of doing it as well as there are the enemies those still have a great look even in the game not just the dialogue boxes uh, not that they have dialogue but yeah uh the main enemy scissor boy or scissor man i guess but i'd say scissor boy um he's always coming after you you have to hide from him you have to dodge him and hopefully get away uh it's really interesting how they came up with this the the fear factor actually makes a mechanic of will you get away? Will you find a, uh, be able to hide? Will you be able to fend him off long enough to be, uh, be able to get out of there? And that's a really cool idea for that. If you're getting too scared, um, you're not going to be able to push this scissor man back and he's going to kill you, you know? Or you're not going to be able to stay quiet inside of this place or not move around. Um, so he'll find you. And it's really interesting. And then you have actually cutscenes that are very well done with its graphics. I, I'm surprised they were able to even pull this stuff off. I mean, it looks amazing for the uh, for the cutscenes. It's just really detailed and interesting looking. Sometimes it's not as much, but most of the time it looks amazing. Um, especially when you find that brother. Uh, you have a lot of great nuances and and graphics and cutscenes it's just awesome what they did with the hardware at the time and because it's such detailed stuff that it looks just absolutely amazing as for the gameplay it's basically you know you're either running and trying to hide or you're uh picking up items and using them in different places and doing some puzzles in in between um, as well as a lot of, you know, running around talking to characters. The only thing is there's so many things you have to do and kind of juggle to keep other people alive that it's kind of hard to really get all the endings. And even then, it's such, it's not that short of a game, actually. Um, so you might not even want to get all the endings once you've, like, gone through uh, at least one of those stories because it does get kind of hard if you are planning to do that I would say keep a walkthrough handy uh, Not even handy. I would just say on hand I mean you're you're gonna definitely want to reference that to figure out what you need to do and how you're supposed to do it Because it can get kind of complicated for those under and other endings to help people survive and all that um, To get the different uh, paths there are um, but it's a really great game in the first place the next game in the series is called Clock Tower. Again, uh, in Japan, it's called uh, Clock Tower 2. And uh, the graphics in this are much more in the line of like survival horror. It's 3D models against a pre-rendered background. And I'm a, you know, a sucker for that. So, you know, I love it. And uh, the story is that the girl from the first game gets adopted again, but this time not by a psycho. And, uh, <laughs> um, and she's actually being chased again by the freaking scissor man i guess he's grown from a boy into an adult or something because now he's more taller and lanky and he's got all these uh bandages from being killed in the first one or semi-killed i guess and uh yeah it's really interesting how they came up with that 
it's a really cool idea because now you're actually playing in the first part, this prologue, you're actually going to play either as uh, Jennifer from the first game or her adoptive mother from this game. And it's really cool because now you have two full-on different scenarios with two different characters and each of them have five different endings to get. So that's really cool. Um, from there though, and it actually has something to do with uh, this idol, the demonic idol that makes it so Scissorman is actually immortal. And that's what makes it so he's actually able to still be alive, still coming after you. And it's really interesting. They did a great job with this. Um, you have multiple locales. Uh, you start out in a university, but then you move around like different places. It's still linear, but it's it's a great way of, of keeping the gameplay in the realm of point and click while still giving a little more action to it. It is slower paced than you know what you might expect with other games, um, but you can move around like uh, you know a tank horror game sort of thing. It's mostly like these. Uh, sections of game. There's an intermission section where you can freely search around. You have a save room, search around and talk to different characters, maybe get some clues and things like that. And then there's this, you know, I guess action section where you are being chased by the scissor man and uh, you have to hide at different times. If you have not hidden, then you actually have this sort of panic mode where you have to, you know, do different things, move stuff around and things like that that'll get him to retreat. He'll run away this time. Um, as well as you, you have three different types of strength where minimal is, you know, it's weak. Medium is good and then uh, third is strong. That's basically whether you're going to fend him off or not at all. Uh, or you could actually move different things even in the game uh, before any panic mode starts. Um, so yeah, you ha it's not exactly set up that way, but you do have a couple of setup points where, you know, the Scissorman's definitely going to catch you and you have to start moving stuff around or doing things or running away even. Um, but yeah, it's really fun. It's a, a different take on it that really works with the 3D world that they came up with. You actually have a couple other characters that you do play in the second chapter, if uh, depending on what you choose. And that's what I mean. It's a lot of story choice based. You know, you have a, a whole bunch of different paths to take. So there's a lot of replay value with this first game as well, because you actually can make a choice that makes it so later on in the game, you're going to be taking a different path or playing a different character, you know, and it's really cool how they came up with this whole thing. It's very story driven, in fact. And something really great about it is actually the music will just, you know, it'll be there and then sometimes it won't. It's like almost like setting you up for a scare by taking away the sound. And it really does a good job of like using silence to sort of freak you out, which actually emphasizes the times where you do get caught by a scissor man with these, you know, bursts of music. And actually the creator of the first game wasn't planning on making a second one and wasn't even wanting to, but they sort of convinced him when they showed him sort of the, uh, the mechanics and graphics that they can do nowadays. So it's a good thing they did because uh, this one's actually really great and a great addition to the series. Then there's the second game, Clock Tower 2, The Struggle Within or Clock Tower Ghost Head, I believe. Strange name for the Japanese release, but anyways. Uh, yeah, this is a bit different, very different in fact. It's not necessarily a bad game. I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it definitely didn't live up to the first two. The graphics look about the same as the last game, and it's done well enough. I mean, you have some interesting looking places and locales that you go to, and it's, you know, sort of static background, you know, pre-rendered pre graphics. So, so I think it still works with the gameplay, um, but 
other than that, the sound isn't that great. The music's sort of hit or miss, um, as well as the gameplay is different. It's it's still point and click, and you still have to hide or, or try to survive and things like that. Um, you have these sort of health items to help with your panicking uh, meter, but other than that, it, it has this option to use Mr. Bates, which is this split personality of hers that actually, you know, manifests as something real. Um, and it has, you know, some story to that, which is really weird. I'll get to that in a sec. Um, but you actually can attack if you're, if you like equip with a gun or a weapon, you can actually attack the enemies that there are. And I feel like being able to attack sort of betrays the whole point of the series of the first two games. I mean, you're you're not able to fight back, and this one you are. And I guess maybe they were trying to think of like it as a progression of of the first two games. So now you have some ability to attack, and they were trying to compete with like Resident Evil and stuff like that. So maybe that's what they were doing. And I feel like you know it kind of works. It just kind of doesn't as well. And more than that, that actually affects the story, how much you use Mr. Bates. And, you know, sort of like you're getting closer to the bad ending the more you use him. But at the same time, there's times where you have to use him or have to use Alyssa. So it, it's kind of counter to what it's actually telling you to do if you want to get a good ending, which is strange too, because there's one enemy that's like a possessed person. That sort of works along the lines of Clock Tower. But then you have a hospital that's infested with zombies. It's like, what? Where did that come from? Why is this even a thing here? But hey, whatever, sure, why not? Uh, but yeah, no, it's still, you know, it's still a fun game. I think it was still fun. It's just, it is kind of cumbersome with the whole uh, attacking and things like that, as well as it's kind of pixel honey, as well as uh, there's backtracking and trial and error. That's really frustrating because certain events won't start, you know, you won't be able to go to different places until you s trigger this event. The puzzles are very much just trial and error. It doesn't quite work. You know, you gotta, you know, uh, try out one thing. If it doesn't work, then you gotta try it again. And, you know, you get a game over and have to restart from, you know, the last room you were in. So that gets a little frustrating. You know, there are some deaths that are kind of cool in it, but other than that, you know, it doesn't quite work. Um, there's another enemy that does feel much more in the vein of Clock Tower, which is the ghost head enemy. Um, he's wearing like a, an Oni mask. That's where it feels much more in the vein of Clock Tower. Um, but until <laughs> the fact that you have all those zombies, it's just so strange to me. Uh, but yeah, the puzzles get very frustrating. And, you know, it's like, what's the point of making it trial and error? Or what's the point of making it so... You know, you have to have these events triggered. And I mean, like, you have to backtrack to trigger an event so you can progress forward. And it just, it doesn't quite work. As well as, like I said, the whole switching between um, Alyssa, who's, you know, more like the, in line with the regular characters of Clock Tower, where you have to run and hide, and Mr. Bates, where you could just full-on, you know, attack things now. And it's necessary to use that mechanic to get the bad endings and not uh, necessary to not use that mechanic for the good endings. So it just kind of doesn't quite work, in my opinion. But it's definitely still not a bad game. If you're a fan of the Clock Tower series, I would say still check this out. If you're a fan of point-and-click horror, this is definitely a decent enough title for the PlayStation. There's 13 endings, by the way. That's insane. Um, you know, it's, it was crazy enough with the five and five, you know, but this is like 13 innings for the one character. Um, yeah, so it gives some replayability, but it sort of just feels defeated, you know, like pointless almost because 
you know, you're not really needing to hide anymore. Then there's the wonky story. It's it's so weird. First, go to visit some family, and that's when certain things start happening with this possession stuff. And, you know, someone gets killed, and you have to run away from the person who's possessed. So then you destroy this stone, which makes it so the house starts burning down, and you pass out. And then you wake up in the hospital full of zombies and this detective guy. Um, and then the third part of the story is where you're, you know, you see your father, and it turns out he's not your father. And the Oni guy that's you know, chasing after you is your father, and it turns out that Mr. Bates is actually your twin, because the fake father was jealous of your real father. He went to that tree and dug you up to, before you suffocated, and the other twin did suffocate, and, you know, now he's inside of you. It's just so strange and convoluted and, and just too out there. I mean, it still works in some ways for being spooky and stuff, and it takes a lot of, like, deviations from you know usual type of genres and you know horror genre as well as uh, point and click style games I would say this is still a good game to check out but it's definitely not like what you expect from a clock tower game not to mention a horror point and click just make sure you play this with the walkthrough because you're gonna need it I mean throughout the entire game uh, just have it on hand it'll you know guide you the whole way now I want to do a couple quick mentions here first off is Scary Photograph is the translation, but Kowai Shashin, uh, K-O-W-A-I, S-H-A-S-H-I-N, Kowai Shashin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, probably butchering it and then making, making it very uncomfortable for anybody listening. Uh, anyways, so <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but this is actually a, a really awesome game. Uh, you actually have to... It's basically I Spy in one way, but then there's like three levels to it. There's first the I Spy section, which you look at real photographs. So that makes it kind of creepy too, because they actually have like, for one, it looks like you're looking through a um, some old screen, like some kind of VHS type of look to it, um, like a filter, I guess. And then um, you also have, it's a static image, but still it has some kind of look like that, like it's some dodgy type of digital uh, picture. Then you have um, these people that are inside the picture. Um, their eyes are blacked out, you know, like with a black bar. So it looks almost like some kind of screwed up, like murder victim photograph or something. And then, of course, you have to find pictures of ghosts inside that picture. You have to look around the picture and find these ghosts. And then you click on them and you have this sort of quick time event where you have to quickly do a combination of buttons. And then you have another where you're doing the exorcism, which is like, um, you have like at nine different times, you have to do these different seals and you have to push all these buttons in an order. And it's really interesting. It's actually a pretty cool idea for the game. But more than that, sadly, there's no English translation. You can still play the levels without English translation, but to find out the story, you have to have some English translation, and it's uh, it's an interesting story. It's not amazing, but it's something about a girl who's like sort of a shut-in, but she's a psychic, and due to her work, she's been, uh, you know, sort of becoming more of a shut-in and uh, becoming more obsessed with these photographs and trying to exercise them, and you know, then she starts. Uh, it turns out it has to do with some boy that she liked or something. It's interesting, but I, you know, it's kind of hard to follow when you don't know English. I don't know Japanese when you don't know English. Yeah. 
but it's still a really cool idea for a game. But more than that, go to superjumpmagazine.com and look for the, uh, or you can just Google this whole thing, uh, the not-so-true story of a haunted game. Uh, it's basically that before, you know, haunted PS1 gaming was around, this company who was creating this game made this up this big old story that's actually really interesting. In fact, I'll just leave it there. It's really interesting. Check this thing out. It actually, it's a cursed game, you know? It tells, you know, everybody's, uh, it's very infamous for being a cursed game that actually caused people to die and stuff like that. And there's like, you know, there's actual photos and actual, you know, somewhat of actual like practices of what you do with exercising a photograph so yeah it's really interesting to read about so check that out i'm telling you if you want to play this game check out that first um then of course if you can uh look up a you know like youtube you can find people who play it and sort of translate it for you so that's something you know you can check that out too hopefully someday they'll get a uh english translation for this because it's a really interesting game. It's just I Spy, basically, but it's so it's so well done that it feels like a fun sort of take on the I Spy idea. You know, it, it doesn't feel like an I Spy game where you just look at stuff on a picture and try to find the thing in there. Uh, so yeah, it's really interesting, pretty darn cool. So I wanted to give that a quick mention, as well as an FMV game, a full motion video game of actors that is, you know, with real life actors is X-Files. I looked at a few, um, and oddly enough, even though that was sort of popular around the time of having these, uh, you know, like Night Trap and things like that, these full motion videos with real actors, uh, there wasn't a whole lot that I could find that was in English, for one. Um, I was planning to do a whole list of these, but sadly there's not a lot in English, and the ones that aren't really a horror game. They're more sci-fi or, or strangely in that vein, I guess. Um, but yeah, X-Files. That was actually pretty good. I mean, it's not the best acting. I mean, you do have the actual actors, and some phone it in, some don't. Uh, like Mulder, he sort of phones it in, but Scully, she doesn't, actually. I can't remember their real names, but yes. And... Uh, um, so yeah, it's done pretty well, but at the same time, because there are like name actors in the game, the non-name actors, the character you play, this rookie FBI X-Files agent, you know, um, doesn't come off that great, even though he is a decent uh, actor for the game. Yeah, he comes off worse than he actually is, I'll say that. You know, he's not really good, it's just that he's not as bad as it seems because he's surrounded by all these name actors. So yeah, uh, there's that, as well as the gameplay is pretty darn slow. If you like having this sort of, you know, slow kind of like detective work type of game, then it's definitely for you. You know, you like you do have to go through a lot of different things, go to different locales and figure everything out for yourself. There's not a whole lot of hand holding and there's not a whole lot of hints really, but um, you actually have to look through stuff and it takes kind of forever. The first honorable mention is The Note. It's actually, uh, I might have put this in a first-person horror, actually, but actually, but I guess I put it here. Um, it's kind of an adventure game, but mostly it's like, you know, you move around a castle, or a mansion, I should say, uh, and you fight off some certain enemies, like there's zombies, there's werewolves, there's things like that, bats and rats and things. The only thing is, 
you have no like reticle, you have no targeting system, you just shoot and hope that it worked, as well as you have limited ammo anyway, so it's it's more it's more like you should run. It feels like they're trying to do a survival horror. It's kind of freaking annoying because you know you have these enemies who are coming at you they're trying to attack you and you have like a shotgun and yeah it, it doesn't really have a spread you know you're supposed to just shoot them and hopefully you hit them maybe you will maybe you won't other than that you have some really cool ideas with it you know this is what makes it an adventure game is uh in between these sections of being in sort of a first person mode like a first person shooter type game um you have these static images and that's where you can do different things as well as in those first person modes you have um you know this quick menu that has open for like opening doors use talk um you know and examine things like that so it actually plays quite like a adventure game but then has these sort of uh 3d modeled segments where yeah you're having to traverse a castle and take on enemies you know so it it sort of works both ways i'd say um but it doesn't quite work the controls are kind of cumbersome even though it has that quick menu that's pretty cool actually um the otherwise it moves really slowly with the directional buttons and you have to you know it's almost like tank controls kind of you have to wait for animation sometimes and it's it's just very slow and I the it's kind of cumbersome and clunky controls they're kind of cumbersome and clunky controls and it moves kind of slow so that's basically the problem with it uh, as well as that targeting thing you know you can't really attack anything unless they're you know sort of bigger targets or you get closer enough to be able to shoot them and it, you know you don't really have any animation for it you don't have any like other things for it but other than that but other than that there's actually a kind of a cool idea for the health it's that your eyes are closing but at the same time that sort of does the opposite as well because now your eyes are closing as you're getting less and less health now you're seeing less and less of the dang, you know, screen that you're trying to, you know, fend off the enemy with, you know. So, yeah, it is kind of frustrating. It's a cool idea, but it doesn't quite work, you know. Then um, there's the story, which is just okay. I mean, like, uh, you know, it's kind of this basic setup where you're um, a detective and you have an, an assistant and, you know, you're... You start working for this old lady who dies, and then you find a photograph of sort of a last known whereabouts, I guess, or something like that. And then you go to this mansion, because that photograph had the mansion in it. And that's where the story sort of starts, but there's not much uh, going on with it. There's a few character interactions, but not too much. So yeah, it's not exactly story-driven or based kind of game, but it's still an adventure game. So it's like, how is that even possible? The voice acting is almost good. It's like they have like good voice actors, but they are very stilted in their delivery. It's just kind of hilarious, kind of like, okay, it doesn't break my immersion too much, but I'm still going to chuckle at it because it's so weird how they talk. It's, uh, there is something I need you to do. And it's like, what the heck? So yeah, it's just a strange type of voice acting. It's not bad. They are trying to act. It's just, it's like they're reading the script as they're doing it. And they haven't read the script beforehand or something. So yeah, or maybe they gave it a cursory look before it. I don't know, but yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's not that bad though. It's definitely uh, along those lines of, I like it because it's kind of bad. So yeah, there you go why would I suggest this anyways it's still a pretty good game I mean it's got clunky controls a generic story uh, 
okay graphics, I mean, and funny voice acting, but it has some kind of charm to it that I'm telling you, it's worth checking out anyways. If you're a fan of survival horror, you're a fan of, uh, you know, point and clicks, and if you're a fan of first person, in fact, even, <laughs> it's actually a really fun little game. It's something worth checking out, at least, if nothing else. Another couple of quick little honorable mentions are uh, Mizerna Falls, which I, I'm not sure still if it has a full translation. I know that uh, the one I played was like half translated, it was unfinished, and yeah, it's basically Twin Peaks. It's not bad. You know, it's, it's still played in a more third-person type of RE-style uh, gameplay, but yeah, you do a lot of, uh, you know, talking to different characters. You have actually like hand-drawn stuff for the characters. That's pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of Twin Peaks vibes, you know. In fact, I'd say it's just a straight rip of uh, Twin Peaks. I'm telling you. Mizerna Falls. Check it out. If you have, if they have a full translation out there, uh, yeah, check that one out. I mean, geez, if you're a fan of those type of games like uh, Deadly Premonition or, of course, the show Twin Peaks or anything like that, you know, this is something to check out. And then there's also, uh, in my opinion, it's not a horror, but I still feel like I should mention it here because it has some, like, horror elements, I'll say that. There are some uh, gory things about it, but uh, Snatcher. It's actually only in a Japanese on the PlayStation. They have an English version for the Sega Saturn, I believe. That's freaking awesome. It's Kojima. And he made a, basically a Blade Runner equivalent on the uh, PlayStation 1, <laughs> as well as the MSX before uh, the PlayStation 1 came along, and Sega Saturn. Uh, the only one that as English is the Sega Saturn version, I believe, um, from what I saw. Unless there's a translation for PS1. But, uh, yeah freaking awesome i mean it's great it's that you know there's uh these it's a little more menacing than blade runner i'll say that um but yeah you're basically trying to uh, why did i say basically so much uh you're oh uh, you're just trying to survive these like terminator styled exoskeletons that kill people and take their skin and wear it as disguises so they're sort of blending in with the rest of the world and they want to take over the world and all that and it turns out it's because of uh well i don't want to spoil it i guess since it's a very story driven game um but yeah there are some segments of like shooting and stuff as well as uh there's other segments of like uh you know you can die just by doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing or using the wrong item but other than that it's mainly just a very point-and-click type of game it's very cool it's very sci-fi cyberpunk type of feel and it feels like playing Blade Runner and I know it's not a horror game but I just want to put it out there it's made by Kojima so it shows that yeah he's amazing now for dishonorable mentions first off is the Dracula series there's the first one's called Dracula Resurrection and the second is Dracula the Last Sanctuary it's loosely based on the movie I'd say but not quite I'd say it's more based on the book but they have the characters looking like the movie of Bram Stoker's Dracula if I didn't say uh, um, but yeah it's uh it's not bad it's it's still definitely worth a uh, you know dishonorable mention because it's it's pretty clunky and it takes a lot of like um, backtracking and uh, really nonsensical puzzles and you know, uh, trial and error and stuff that doesn't happen in, you know, event sort of things where you have to wait for an event or uh, trigger an event. And yeah, so it's it's kind of a pain in the ass, but it does look great. It's got this, uh, you know, pre-rendered sort of thing, you know, like with D, 
and stuff like that. Um, it's it's really it looks really good, and it actually plays all right. It's not that bad. It, it is clunky. It's slow. It's really slow. In fact, I'd say if you're gonna play it in emulator, unless there's gonna be some kind of part where they're speaking or something. It just turn on the toggle frame rate. I mean, when you're moving around the castle, uh, just, yeah, have that on the entire time. You know, if it looks like you're about to see something like a story beat or something like that, then turn it off. But, yeah, or just save often. Then you can turn it off and rewatch it, you know, not fast forward. But, yeah, it's pretty slow moving. I mean, uh, it's kind of frustrating in that respect. There's another one that's made by the same team, I believe, called Necronomicon The Dawning of Darkness. And that one's worse than the first one, <laughs> worse than Dracula, I mean, uh, it's, it's got terrible voice acting, it's another pre-rendered game, and it, uh, but the terrible voice acting is pretty bad, and uh, I mean like, the gameplay is very tedious, monotonous, so yeah, you're running around uh, checking every dang file of every drawer, you're, you know, looking at every single word of every freaking book, you know, I mean, and you have to move the dang uh, ladder around in order to even look at the certain books. It's very tedious puzzles. But the worst of them all, in my opinion, was Juggernaut. This one felt like it was going to be good. But that you are the husband of a wife who's been ex uh, possessed by some kind of a demon. And then this priest puts you into her mind, uh, which is uh, represented by this forest of occult people and then this mansion, which goes through the different memories of different people who have been affected by this demon. And then eventually you'll get back out and find out that, uh, you know, you've saved her. Good job. But then the secret ending is that the priest who, who put you into her mind to save her is up behind it the whole time and he was even this this guy who sold this relic to her that got her possessed and is trying to redo it again because it's going to happen to somebody else since you decided not to pick up the relic what is going on it's such a strange and dumb story i i don't even understand it was an experience that i had and it's done now and i'm never going to experience it again not better for it but hey you know i did it's something that happened uh, I can't take that time back, you know. It starts out, you're like on this island. Uh, there's this cult on the island, and you have to figure out some puzzles, and, you know, you have to deal with this cult sort of thing, and it's interesting. It's pretty good, actually. But then you get into the mansion, and it is so slow-moving. It's about as slow as the rest of these. They all move slow, except I literally had this game on fast-forward the entire time because of how long it took, and it's text-based story, so I didn't even have to turn it off. I just let it, you know, go till uh, it got to a text thing, and I'd read it, push the button, read it, or just skip past, really. Most of the time, I was just skipping past the story because once you get through the mansion itself part, which is slow-moving as is, it has some interesting concepts of changing into a small per smaller person or a larger person or a ghost, uh, you know, to get through these certain spots. Um, but from there, you have this different memories through time and stuff like that, and it's strange and kind of dumb and takes the whole horror aspect and just goes, let's stop that for a while and get to this stuff. A tribal thing and then, like a prison and then like a military thing and it's just really dumb and it kind of ruined the game for me uh, i still played it through though and that wasn't fun um then finally get back to the freaking mansion 
and then you have to fight some kind of demon. It goes back to the horror. It's like, well, you just took me out of all the horror, so now you're trying to throw me back in? No, it just lost, it lost its effect a long time ago of horror. And when you beat the game, they give you an option to find out the true story. So you'd have to play through the whole entire game again in order to get the true ending, which is just as dumb and confusing. So it's like, what is the point? I did not go through it again. I was like, screw this. I'm not going to subject myself to this game again. It is not worth it. If you wanted to play the first part, maybe the mansion, I'd say go for that. But after that, I do just quit. Stop playing from there. There's, just look it up. Look up the dang ending. Necronomicon, pretty darn bad. I'd say steer clear of that too. But hey, if you have some morbid fantasy with that, go ahead. It's Lovecraftian, so you might want to try it out just for that reason. Uh, I would say keep a walkthrough with you. The Juggernaut one, though, don't even just don't even look at it. It's so bad. As for Dracula, I would say give those a try. Those ones aren't that bad. They're they sold pretty well, in fact. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed that, and it's uh, enough of a list that you'll be able to, you know, play for a while all the way into Halloween. So I'm gonna try and churn these out before the end of the month, and hopefully, you guys will get to see them all. So. To get buried alive, like and subscribe and get notified to be revived next time. Die, everybody.